So this morning, as Mark said, we get to share with you about Women at Prairie. And um, this feels like a very weighty task. But we thought that we'd wear these hats, make it kind of fun. Mark inspired us with his period costumes a couple of weeks ago. So here you go, the hat, but I think I'm going to take it off to actually speak. Okay, so we realized through our research that we truly stand on the shoulders of giants. Uh, you may not think that this morning with this statue of Miss Miller. I'm probably taller than her in this statue, but anyway. Uh, we do, of dear women who have had such an influence and have made Prairie the place that it is today. We obviously couldn't share about every woman who's had an influence here because there are many. So we've chosen a few key women in Prairie's history, and we'll do our best to also outline the theology that the school has understood and lived out in regards to women in ministry. So to be clear, we're not promoting uh, some radical feminism, but we hope to show how the Lord uses and calls each person for a unique work, no matter if they're male or female, to give the biblical basis that Ellie and others built from. So throughout Prairie's history, women have had integral roles, both behind the scenes, at home, caring for a house, like, and children, like Pearl Maxwell, and Jenny Kirk, and you'll see Pearl on there. I love the photo of her um, standing beside the boat. She's like, oh, Ellie. <laughs> I just think that's really funny. Um, also, women providing hospitality, like Mrs. Mabel McElheron, who opened her home to Ellie in those early days. And Mabel was Fergus's sister. As administrators, like Dr. Shar Bates, and in the spotlight, up front at the podium, preaching Sunday services, teaching students, and at the boardroom table, like Miss Dorothy Ruth Miller, Miss Ruth Deering, and Miss Kathleen Deering. And those are the women that we're gonna share about today. So at Prairie, women and men were trained for missionary service. Women not just as wives to missionaries, but were sent as single women, missionaries in their own right, with the necessary skills, training, and biblical knowledge to serve. Women have always been welcomed in all classes and programs. So we might look back on Prairie's past and assume that because it was conservative with dress and dating, that it was also conservative when it came to women preachers and teachers, where women were put in their place by scriptures like, let's change the slide so you can follow along as well. All right, we'll see if that goes. First Corinthians 14, 34 to 35, which says, Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Or 1 Timothy 2, 8 to 14, which says, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Kendi, should we call Mark back up here and go sit down? <laughs> mm, let's, let's actually look at the big picture and look at what scripture says, what the college stands for, before we think about running off the stage. You might be wondering if Prairie is and always was a Bible college. How could they, in light of these scriptures, have permitted women, especially single women, with no husbands to whom they could inquire to not only teach, but preach at the Prairie Tabernacle? How can we stand here today? 
What was true of those early days, and we think continues to this day, is a promotion of and a vibrant culture of truly biblical women, where hiring and promotion did not and does not occur because of gender, where programs are not gender specific, but where we encourage each other to follow where God has gifted and called us. Our goal is to honor and celebrate the faithful women who have gone before us. As Prairie's first teacher, Ellie Maxwell had a great impact on the early curriculum, as well as the school's overall theology and culture. It seems that the greatest catalyst for Prairie's view and promotion of women was from Ellie's beliefs formed from his own experience having a woman Bible teacher, also through his study of scripture and commentaries. The very first faculty consisted of four men and one woman. The first graduating class had three women and four men. All of the women in the first graduating class went on to serve overseas. We've consistently had women on our board of directors and on faculty and have always sent out women missionaries. So the first woman we're gonna share about is Miss Dorothy Ruth Miller. And like Nicole said, we have her here with us. So Miss Miller was born on January 31st, 1873 in Clifford, Pennsylvania to a family of six children. She studied at Columbia University, earning a degree in English, and at New York University, earning a degree in history. She, ta uh, she taught at, um, in Iowa at Simpson Bible Institute in Washington and Midland Bible Institute in Kansas, where she was one of Ellie's teachers, but then spent the majority of her teaching years, 15 years to be exact, here at Prairie. Miss Miller kept a daily diary, and we have those in our archives and actually sitting here in the middle today. And on her 47th birthday in 1920, she wrote that she felt that she was only starting her walk with God. It seems that from 1922 until her arrival in Three Hills in 1929, that she felt an uneasiness, an unsettledness. She couldn't get Three Hills off her mind until she arrived. In 1925, Ellie told Miss Miller that he would love to have her join the faculty of Prairie. He wanted his favorite Bible teacher to come and join this new school. She was officially invited by the board of directors to come and be a teacher and the dean of women on May 4th, 1928. Miss Miller never intended to become a Bible teacher. She was attending a Plymouth Brethren Church and during Sunday school one week, the pastor approached her and said, Miss Ruth, you have an unusual gift of teaching the Bible. Such a gift is from the Lord. You ought to go to Bible school and prepare to be a Bible teacher. She said that she could not escape these words, even though initially she had no desire at all to do this. It took her two years to decide to go to Bible school, but after only three months at the school, she was asked to teach a class, then two classes the next year. Before she had even graduated, she was asked to join the full-time teaching staff, and she noted those who voiced this were all men. She graduated from the Missionary Training Institute in 1910. She says, up to this point, I had been led at every step, not so much by the teaching of scripture as by the still small voice of the spirit. All through my Christian service, I've had the clear, definite witness of the spirit that I was in his will as to my service. This has been such a real thing to me that I can never understand people saying that they could not understand how to get the guidance of God. It seems to me that it would be difficult to avoid knowing it. Miss Miller taught Bible and doctrine courses, 
and was also the women's dean and co-editor with Ellie Maxwell of Prairie's publication, The Prairie Pastor. At various times, she also served on the board of directors, was the registrar, and taught Bible, history, missions, literature, and Spanish. That's a full load. She wrote a handbook of ancient history in Bible light, which is like a textbook, and it was published in 1937. Another task she was well known for was writing letters of support to women on the mission field. Um, we've heard that she would write up to 12 of these letters a day on top of her busy schedule. I've really appreciated reading Miss Miller's diaries. Each spring here at Prairie, we give one student the Miss Miller Scholarship, Miss Deering Scholarship, Jean Boswell Scholarship, and from these award write-ups, you get the highlight of their lives, and it makes them seem kind of intimidatingly godly and accomplished. Like, how could I ever possibly measure up to that? But in reading her diaries, I realized that she had very human moments and struggled with feelings of inadequacy and got tired. And um, she was 56 when she arrived here. I don't think I'll ever accomplish as much as she did, but it made me realize that I have lots of time to mature in my Christian walk. She strove to be in constant communion with the Spirit and relied on God for everything in her life. This dependence extended to her finances. For example, at one point, for weeks, she had only 10 cents to her name. Because Prairie did not offer a salary to staff, any expenses had to come from donations. But she always had enough for what she needed when she needed it, and she recorded all these instances in her journals. I also found connection points with her through reading her diaries. Uh, for example, she loved gardening and could often be seen puttering around the many gardens she, she started around campus. She thanked God in her journals when her pansies survived a late snow and when some of the first trees to come to campus, which were planted by Ellie, survived a dry summer. I could definitely relate to these things. And she helped with preserving as well, um, vegetables and such. One year, for example, she purchased 300 pounds of rhubarb. It's a lot of rhubarb. And she bought that for only two cents a pound. That's $6 total. She canned it for students in the winter. She's really an amazing lady. Very early on, Ellie asked Miss Miller to preach at the Prairie Tabernacle on Sunday mornings. Prairie alumnus Harold Fuller wrote, Given the fact that Three Hills was a frontier kind of town with a typical macho type of character, this was a bold move. Wherever the gospel goes, it betters the lot of women, said Maxwell. His openness to the role of women in ministry and his belief that a woman had liberty to use her spiritual gifts in any role to which the Holy Spirit called her placed him ahead of his time. Ellie said of Miss Miller, she taught hundreds and hundreds of young people no one better commended Christ than this woman. It would be folly indeed to think otherwise. Yet the same lady did not think or wish to become an official head or usurp the authority over the man. She used to preach for us here on Sundays, and she always had someone else in charge of the service. Her life and ministry was a mighty blessing to hundreds. Miss Miller became sick with an aggressive cancer and died on February 22, 1944, at the age of 71 years. Although she instructed Ellie and the board to not mourn her, she was greatly missed among the staff and students. And this picture actually down here is the original chapel on campus, and it was named in her memory. In 1959, Ellie gave a sermon titled Women Leadership and Immobile Sympathizers, 
And we have a QR code here, actually, that you can scan, and it actually has this sermon on it, plus many other L.E. Maxwell sermons, which have been recorded and are available in our library. This particular sermon is about Judges 4 and 5, the Deborah and Barak passage. To, jo to jog your memory, if you're not in Dr. Roberts' class, um, she is the judge of Israel at this time, and the Israelites went to her to mediate and judge their disputes. One day, she sent for a name, Barak, and told him that God would help him and his 10,000 people to win a battle. Barak said that, sure, he would do it, but only if she came along. Ellie related himself to Barak and Miss Miller to Deborah. Barak recognized Deborah's wisdom and wanted her with him. The same was true of Ellie and Miss Miller. Ellie used to say that the only wisdom I've ever had is to recognize wisdom where I find it. Of Deborah and Barak, Ellie said, Deborah's presence, Barak knew, meant that God's will and work would be with him. There would be times when divine direction would be needed and she would be consulted. Thus, Barak simply had the wisdom to seek wisdom where it is found. That's all. He wasn't so stupid as to pass it up. Some people criticized Ellie for choosing to put Miss Miller at the pulpit and listening to her advice and direction. But he marveled how much poorer we would have been as a people if we hadn't been willing to sit at the feet of that Deborah the prophetess and listened to Miss Miller. Suppose we'd have been so ultra scriptural that we did not listen. It would have been to our eternal shame if we had never received God's word through that woman of God. It would have been too bad for our stupidity and stubbornness. We men must admit it to be a severe temptation to be jealous of such women. We may not mind giving a woman some recognition, even of place and position, but when she can outdo or outshine or outthink us, well, who of us can stand before jealousy? We suddenly become extra scriptural in putting women in their place. Ellie says that this is how Barak got into the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11.32, because he listened to and trusted Deborah and God's ability to work through her. He was willing to be second and let Deborah get the credit for the victory. Ellie noted that he'd seen a hesitancy among the female students in his class to pray out loud at the start of class. He wondered, does this indicate that this is a man's world and that women should just learn to keep their place? I grow sad over that. Are these young women coming here to school finally to be discouraged from going to the field? Or if they get there, they can't speak? To his audience in 1959, he said, you carry this to its end and you who claim to love missions would have to vote for three quarters of the field to come home. Let's not bring three quarters of the mission field home and let the heathen go to hell because, all because we are so correct. He does not mince his words. It's clear how passionate he was about empowering and supporting the women of Prairie. Dr. Rendell, who worked closely with Ellie, wrote the foreword to Ellie's book on women in ministry. This was actually a book completed by Ruth Deering, and we'll talk about her later, uh, this book right here, after Ellie's death. Dr. Rendell used this humorous poem to illustrate Ellie's point about missionary service. This is a poem. We men who are the stronger sex, it always has been so. We send our gifts to mission fields, to which the women go. While up the steepest jungle pass, a woman bravely treads, 
We men, who are the stronger sex, just pray beside our beds. While women leave to go abroad, the heathen souls to reach, we men, who are the stronger sex, just stay at home and preach. While women in some far-off shack do brave the flies and heat, we men, who are the stronger sex, in cool and comfort eat. Fatigued and weary, needing rest, the women battle on. We men, who are the stronger sex, just write and cheer them on. O valiant men, come let us sleep and rest our weary heads. We shall not be the stronger sex if we neglect our beds. Of course, it's an exaggeration and it's meant to be humorous, but it does illustrate the underlying attitude that was Ellie's concern. In Ellie's book, Women in Ministry, and co-written with Ruth Deering, who like Nicole said, we will discuss later, references 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 29. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, but God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And he said this in relation to different biblical women who have been perceived as weak yet did not have weak God-given appointed roles in history. The Lord gave each one gifts to serve him and his people on specific times when it was needed. Women of Prairie were encouraged by the women of the Bible. They are examples of how to live, grow, encourage, minister, and speak boldly in their lives. God uses both men and women, and I think some of these stories that we see in the Bible break down the stereotypes of roles we may have. In the Gospels, the Lord used Mary to share faith, uh, to show faith, having a child, and to proclaim it to her, uh, to others in the Magnificat. It was about her lowly status and how God saw her. Elizabeth, Mary's relative, also showed faith when Zachariah did not, and she was able to proclaim how God saw them and blessed them. When Jesus was taken to the temple to be purified, Anna, the prophetess, proclaimed and prophesied to all who were there that he was the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna was using her gift of prophecy for the strengthening, encouraging, and comfort from 1 Corinthians 14.3. In Jesus' ministry, we see as well how different women spoke to them, how he spoke to different women and healed them and allowed them to hear who he truly was, uh, like the Samaritan woman. Then it was women who were there at the crucifixion, and it was also revealed to a woman at Jesus' uh, resurrection, and it was her that was the first to share with the disciples. Different scholars use Pentecost as one of the cases for how God uses women in ministry. In Acts 1.14, it shares how the disciples, along with the women, gathered to pray together after Jesus' ascension, and it is in this gathering that all were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all called to minister. Further in Acts, we see the development of the early church and how Paul gives credit to different women's involvement in establishing churches, serving, and discipling others. Ellie asks the question after, after reflecting on these biblical women, if the Lord himself on occasion employed an Esther or a Deborah, may we not expect him in sovereign wisdom to do the same today? There are more scriptures we could talk about, uh, but we can't take that much time this morning. So I want to encourage each of you that the next time you're reading your Bible, to think about the context. Think about the characters, the voices that are or are not there, and the message that you are learning from the passage. 
Don't just look at the meaning of the words, but look at the full picture. About those New Testament passages we read earlier, Elise said, I don't want to see our young women get to feel that there's no use in returning to Bible school, no use in going onto the mission field because they haven't any rights. That's not the spirit, as I understand it, of the gospel. He said, I believe God puts his hand on some of these young women, just like he does the men. God is not a compromiser. Who do you want to make God out to be? He said, I will pour out my spirit on the young men and maidens. He said, God didn't put a footnote there to say that these maidens should only speak to girls, at least not in my Bible, and I'm glad there isn't. Ellie also felt that if Deborah lived in New Testament times, she would, have, she would never have been able to be a judge, and that Jewish law would have put a clothespin on her tongue. After intensive study, Ellie did not see the few verses which forbade women to preach as being consistent with the rest of scripture, but desired that women realize and be free from the unscriptural restrictions that have been preserved by a male-centric worldview and tradition, started, he said, with rabbinic teaching. The next woman we want to share about is Miss Ruth Deering. She is Prairie's longest serving woman, joining staff in 1939 until 1999, so 60 years. She was born October 30th, 1908, and grew up in Washington State. She earned a bachelor's degree in religious studies from the University of Washington and Seattle Pacific College, which is now the university. During twice met Ellie at a camp in Washington, and meeting him caused her to consider Prairie. She felt God leading her to enroll at Prairie for one year of studies, even though she already held a religious bachelor's degree from two reputable schools. During her year of studies in preparation for going to the foreign mission field, Ellie asked Deering to join the Prairie staff. She says, in her first year, Mr. Maxwell approached me about joining the staff of the newly opened Prairie High School. When God first directed me to Prairie, I thought, of course, he wanted me on the foreign mission field and had been taking steps toward that goal. In fact, Mr. Maxwell had encouraged me to apply to the Sedan Interior Mission. However, after praying about joining Prairie staff, I was soon sure that this was God's will for the next year. Yet I continued to pray about the mission field until the Lord showed me that Prairie was my place of service. Then in Mr. Maxwell's terminology, I unpacked. In 1943, he astounded me with the announcement that the board of directors had elected me to be the vice principal of Prairie High School, where he was the principal. I had never dreamed of such an appointment and had no aspirations to be an administrator. However, with his encouragement, I accepted the position as from the Lord and trusted him for his wisdom and grace. Three years later, I was asked to be principal and held this position for 18 years. At one time, she was principal and teacher at the high school, was also on Prairie's board of directors, and was the women's dean for the college and high school. She remarked that it was just about too much to do anything really well, but I tried to do it all. She was appointed as Bible school registrar by Ellie Maxwell in the spring of 1964, in addition to joining as a full-time faculty member at the college. She would be a full-time faculty member for another 20 years. Famously, in her 50s, she began learning Greek for her personal enrichment. And when the Greek instructor left, she was able to slide right in and fill that vacancy and teach Greek. 
When she was in her 70s, she learned Hebrew, also just for her own study and growth. In the spring of 1982, Ellie was 87 and faced deteriorating health, no longer able to work on the book he was writing about women in ministry. He trusted Ruth Deering so much that he asked her to take over and complete the book. She said, giving her complete liberty to add, omit, or change anything he had written. One year later, she was able to give him about two-thirds of the manuscript, and it was met with his approval. The book was finished and published by Miss Deering. In the introduction of the finished book, this one here, Miss Deering wrote, I would like to bear testimony to the fact that Mr. Maxwell's broad view of women's ministry has made possible for me a far wider field of service than I ever dreamed possible. His conviction that women should not be barred from public ministry stemmed partly from his admiration for and confidence in Miss Dorothy Ruth Miller. Miss Miller's capable and spirit-filled ministry both in the classroom and the pulpit, together with his own careful study and exegesis of God's word, brought Mr. Maxwell to his convictions. He was convinced that the two or three verses often used to silence women should be interpreted in the light of Bible practice. Miss Deering later said, uh, when he asked, first asked me to speak at Prairie Tabernacle services, I protested, I'm not a preacher. His answer was, I know you're not, but I believe God wants you to do this. I had no personal ambition to be used in this way, but I yielded to his request because I believed he was led of God and because I was under authority. The roles she accepted were typically roles given to men. There were occasions when male students would challenge Miss Deering about her role as a Bible teacher. They would ask for her biblical justification. Just like Miss Miller had, Miss Deering referred to Mr. Maxwell and Dr. Rendell, stating that she had been asked to take on these roles and, gave, and this gave her the freedom to teach without any sense that she was violating a biblical commandment. Miss Ruth Deering's was a genuine calling and ministry. Ellie helped clear the way and encouraged her skills, callings, and giftings. She was faithful to her calling and to those in authority over her. We can all be this way. We don't need to do, but to be faithful to where we are called. Ruth's younger sister, Mary Kathleen Deering, was born on December 16, 1911. She grew up in Washington State, and at a very young age, she started to learn to play the keyboard. Over the next 10 or so years, this self-initiated enjoyment of playing the piano led to many lessons, which led to an incredible training under our premier teacher in Seattle. However, as she was preparing for a performance with an orchestra, she got quite ill. This lasted for the next several years, making her question, what else could she do? And to consider there are other things in life. In a testimonial about this time in her life, she called it her Isaac. Like Abraham, he had to trust God for the Lord's leading and direction, and so did Kathleen. She had to slay her own desires, turn to God, and listen to his calling. After these trials and God changing Kathleen's direction, God used a job at a bookstore and a manager to direct her to Prairie Bible Institute for a conference. Her sister Ruth was already attending Prairie, but Kathleen barely knew anything about Here or Three Hills. After she thought about it and did some soul searching, she chose to enroll. She started at Prairie in 1940 after her sister Ruth had been on staff already for five years. The next three years, Kathleen studied in the Bible school 
And to her surprise, her gratis student work, like us, with service, was teaching piano. Then an invitation came in 1943 for her to join the music faculty. She did not imagine God bringing her back to her early years passion of music and being a piano teacher, but he was. The Lord directed her away from a self-focused and unhappy music career to one that was channeled for his glory and to train up young musicians for his service. As her and her sister Ruth wrote in an article in 1981, but as I continued to look to him, God, for the future, he assured me that Prairie was in the circle of his will for me. Kathleen served here from 1943 until 1982, but continued in her retirement teaching piano lessons until 1996. She specifically worked in the music department as piano teacher, theory teacher, and the department head for the piano and teaching. She wrote many music books and arrangements that are known and used around the world. And to this day, we still receive requests for her music. She officially retired, but then continued to learn, and she learned the cello, of all things. And she continued to be a life learner um, throughout the rest of her years. She died on October 24, 1998, from an eight-month battle with cancer, and was described as having endurance coupled to the very end with joy, based on Hebrews 12.1. I can personally relate to Kathleen and to her sister Ruth, and the call that the Lord had placed on their lives to be at Prairie. In the spring of my senior year here at Prairie, I felt the prompting God had given me and his peace that passes all understanding that the door he was opening to help Dr. Emgord in the intercultural department was the next step for me. Now, almost nine years later, I am still here, maybe a lifer, who knows, and can say that this is the place that God has called me. A few Bible verses that Kathleen refers to in an article from the 1971 Prairie Harvester are also ones that I have remembered throughout my working years. They are Matthew's, Seek first the kingdom of God. From Jeremiah, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. In Paul's letters, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And from the Psalms, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Kathleen talks about the joy and privilege of serving here, to see the many young lives impacted by the gospel, to plant the word in their hearts. It is truly a gift from God, and I can testify to that as well. I am humbled by by her example as well of running her race until the very end with absolute joy. In more recent times, Dr. Shar Bates is Prairie's only female president. Her experience with Prairie began when she was in grade school, then she came back for Bible college in the 60s. After graduating in 1966, she was hired to the music department, spent 14 years as dean of women at various times for both the high school and college. Um, After obtaining her master's degree, she joined the teaching faculty, then received her PhD in education and began developing the Prairie Graduate School. She was the first dean of the grad school, and that's what this picture represents. I love that, her and her, with all the men that are teaching in the grad school. Um, And after her marriage in 1999, she became assistant to the president for research and planning, as well as college dean. When Mr. Down died of cancer, she was appointed interim president. 
The Prairie Harvester described Dr. Shar Bates as a strong proponent of leading edge Christian education that enables students to fulfill their potential in Christ. She's still a great fan of Prairie and prays regularly for the college and especially for Mark and Glenn. We are grateful we get to sit, to sit here and share with you today. We have had just such a great time learning about these amazing women, and we personally have also experienced the influence of women at Prairie. In these pictures, you'll see women like Shannon Weiss, Elaine Maxwell, Veronica Lewis, Beth McKenzie, Marion Green, Jean Boswell, Pat Massey, and our list could go on. And what we predict that at our next centennial in another 100 years, that these are the women this chapel will be about. To wrap up, our time this morning, we want to share with you Prairie's current standard, uh, current statement on gender, and what we as staff and faculty believe and stand by today. It says, at Prairie, men and women are understood as called to God's ministry, according to his plans and purposes for their lives. We believe that both are called to salvation and faith, Christian action and worship, leadership and order, Prairie encourages all members of our community to study and understand the whole of scriptural teaching. We desire to help both men and women realize their full ministry potential. With courage and prayerful discernment, may we be men and women who see the giftings in others and call them out, who encourage others and build them up. I've been encouraged in reading about Miss Miller and the Deerings, their dependence on God, their joy, and their willingness to jump into the roles for which they have been called. This has challenged me to be more sacrificial, more courageous, and more dependent on God's leading. In closing, a paraphrased quotation of Ellie Maxwell's from a 1964 Prairie Harvester. Thank God for the many women among you, our students and alumni, who have been entrusted, as Miss Miller and the Deering sisters, with Bible school work. Here's where the paraphrase is. Hats off to the Miss Millers, the Pat Masseys, the Shannon Weisses, the Veronica Lewises, and the Elaine Maxwells. Psalm 68:11 says, the Lord announces the word and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. Thank you so much for listening this morning.